I've tried for so many years when I come up to preach, I always have tried to have a prepared opening. What, what do I say when I come up? And I've never been able to put together something that I just come up and, and just knock it out of the park with an opening. We're talking about seeds and planting, and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to open this morning with, <clears throat> there are some people who are beautiful flowers, and there are others who are blooming idiots. <laughs> I didn't know how that would go over, <clears throat> so I tossed that one out. We're going to be talking about, <clears throat> in a few moments, we're going to be talking about something I think that probably is so key, and it, it, it's, it says that you, you cannot have relationships without reciprocity, and we'll stay on that. And, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to come up, and my opening line will be, let me tell you what's wrong with all you people. <laughs> that probably wouldn't have worked either. So we're talking about the growing life. We're talking about seeds and sower and soil, and how many have already started getting your flowers? You've been out to Stans or Gerlachs, or you've been to Lowe's or Home Depot, Depot. <laughs> so you're starting to gather your flowers, and you're getting in mind what you're going to be planting, and I'm not, I'm not a novice at planting. I grew up, we grew up, in, I grew up in the country, and we had a, a big garden, and we understood what it meant to turn over the soil and make the rows and plant the seeds. And, and we did the carrots and the lettuce and we did the tomatoes and peas. And, and I was probably about 12 years old before I'm out there in this heat and I'm pulling weeds and I'm taking care of the garden and the lettuce and the carrots and cucumbers and, and it dawned on me, this is a lot of work just to get a salad. Now you can go to Wegmans and get it in a bag. Pick up a tomato, slice it up, a little dressing, and you're good to go. But there are still some people who are interested in, in planting. In fact, on my way to church this morning, I, I saw this husband and wife, and they had 10 bushes. They were in the pots, and she was telling him where to put the bushes. And so he was setting them kind of equal distance apart. And I, I know that I was able to read their lips because I heard her say, honey, you're going to have to dig a hole and plant these things. And I think I heard him say, honey, they look good just like they are, <laughs> sitting on top. Because when we are planting and when we are digging and when we are putting our lives together, sometimes it gets messy and it gets hard. And yet at the same time, here comes this Scripture on the parable of the mustard seed. And I can't spend a lot of time this morning, but i got to tell you, this is one of the most confusing, complex, convoluted parables that I've ever tried to research. Because when Jesus gave the, gave the parables, there were a couple of them that he gave the interpretation for. The other four, including the parable of the mustard seed, he didn't give us an interpretation. He left it to his disciples to say, hey, you've got to figure this out on your own. So I started reading expositors, and out of 10 expositors, I found 10 different explanations of the parable of the mustard seed. And out of my frustration, I kind of leaned back, and I just said, God, what do I do? I, I don't know who to believe. I, I mean, it's, it's open for interpretation. 
And it's just kind of like the word came. Keep it simple. It is what it is. Don't, don't mess it up. So like all parables, a parable teaches us a concept using words that are easily understood. A parable uses words like sower, soil, seed, words that are not messed up by the changing of culture, the passing of time, by other words, easily explainable. So what I want to do this morning is I want us to go on a little bit of a journey together, and I want to share with you what I will identify as the planting of a church and how it grew and how it developed and how that brings us to where we are today. So basically what I'm doing is I'm taking the parable of the mustard seed and I'm turning it into a narrative which is simply a story that is spoken or a written account of connected events. So I'm setting you up, and, and hopefully we have some things. I mean, pastor didn't put any pressure on me when he said, I'm coming and I'm going to do all these things in my message, and hopefully we fulfill that. But when we get to this place, you're going to see some generalities coming, and then I'm going to sneak in, and we're going to bring it down to April 17, 2016, and I'm probably going to get kind of close to where you're at. And if I missed you, just hold still. I'll get back there. Because I believe that God has given us a message that is very relevant for today. And, and the Scripture is powerful, and it is strong, and it does divide truth and error. And I believe that some of you are going to, by the Holy Spirit, be enlightened with something that you've never recognized. So let's begin, and there's some Scripture that I want to put up on the screen for us today. It's actually found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. And you will see the connection and, and the correlation that I'm making here with the sower and the soil and the seed and the mustard seed. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, we have read that multiple times, but we're going to time travel back about 20 centuries. And here is a, is a beginning, and, and you, you keep in mind, seeds are beginnings. Seeds are planted. Here is a beginning of something fantastic that Jesus is going to initiate, and he is continuing to do even today. 
But notice in that scripture, there were five one-syllable words that he used. And if you miss it, you've missed everything. Usually we say, well, Jesus said on this rock, I'll build my church. And we kind of just skip over these words, but they're a foundation for planting. They're a foundation, they're seeds that we have to focus upon. First of all, I, and if you have a Bible, if you've got your handouts, you can, you can circle these words, I, which Jesus simply is inferring that he is the architect. He's going to build this church. Will, that means future. He didn't say, I have already built my church, but I will build my church. The word build, that's an ongoing process. My, that is ownership. And church, and here's the tricky word. It's the word that changed the world. But it's not like you and I know it. When you look at the word church, and just very, very quickly, and you've heard Pastor explain this in depth many, many times. It's not church as we know it. When we look at, when Jesus said, I will build my church, most of us connect with a church at a certain location or with a certain pastor or a certain denomination. And that wasn't what he was saying. He said, I'll build my church because ecclesia is the word that was used for the word church. And it simply means those who have been called out. We've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of the world to be followers of Jesus. And so he says with these five one-syllable words, here are the seeds that I'm planting. And out of this something that seems so insignificant and so small, watch, because I am going to do something great. Now, have to understand that you and I are seeds. So I've got to keep this in mind. When you and I came to Christ, we were, if you will, planted into the body of Christ. And we are growing. It's a growing life. It's a growing experience. And so when this foundation is set, Jesus said, I will build my church. And from that, I took this basically statement, who we are should reflect what we do. So, are we followers of Jesus? Is that being reflected in our life, in our behavior, in our attitude? Is that being reflected in our life, in our commitment? Because who we are really should reflect what we do. Now, fast forward about a year later, they're no longer in Caesarea Philippi, but they're back in Jerusalem. And Jesus is telling his followers to go and wait in Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to have to leave you, but after I leave you, I will send you another comforter. I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will empower you, and he will... He, he, he will be the one that gives you that strength and courage and energy to 
to be witnesses all throughout the world. So now we look in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, and this is what it says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another word that oftentimes we read over and we don't focus on, and that's the word wait. Because sowing and reaping requires us to wait. So he says to the disciples, and when we read actually the narrative of the upper room, Peter, James, and John were there, and the disciples were there, and many of those who were following Jesus, it doesn't say they all came in at one time, but they probably came in uh, interspersed throughout the week, and, and they were gathering together until the number was about 120. And he said, I want you to wait. Now, that word wait is foreign to us in this day and age. We don't like to wait. That's why we have microwave ovens. That's why we have remotes. That's why we have all of the things that accelerate our time because it just drives us up a wall to have to wait. How many of you, and you pull up to a red light and you are saying, I am so excited, I get to wait. I just, I just can't wait to wait. Well, the light's really not red all that long. One, one lady, they said, how long do you think the light stays red? And she said, well, I don't know, but it's longer than a second and less than an hour. And it depends on if Krispy Kreme is open or not. That was her gauge of how long she had to set. But, but we're, it, it's against our nature to wait. Yet the Scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And, and that's why it says, teach us to wait. But we don't like to wait. So from a, a, a current phrase that you have heard on television, here they are in the upper room. Day one, God's saying, Wait on it. Wait on it. Day two, wait for it. Wait for it. Now, we don't have all of the conversation that went on in the upper room, but I have a feeling there was something like, how long are we going to be here? How long do we have to wait? It's already been 45 minutes. I mean, if he's God, he ought to be able to do something. He created the world in six days. This promise that we're looking forward to, we're excited about, it's been 45 minutes, and it still hasn't come. Day three, wait for it, wait for it. It's an encouragement to us that when God gives us a promise, we learn how to wait for it. Because from the planting of the seed to the growing of the flower, there is always a time of waiting. 
That's why we don't plant flower seeds. We don't like to wait. We go get ours already up and running, already nice, and we got the, we got the marigolds and the daffodils and all the, all the flowers, and, and we, we put them in the ground because we don't want to stick those seeds in there and just have to wait and wait and wait and wait. But whether it's a plant, whether it is a garden, whether it is flowers, or whether it is people, the parable of the mustard seed is telling us a concept that says, out of small beginnings, God can do great and mighty things. And the Scripture tells us as well, despise not the day of small beginnings. So now we're connecting the events. Jesus here said, I will build my church. Then he says to his followers, go to Jerusalem and wait. Now watch what's taking place. The number of followers begins to grow. Starts out with three. Peter, James, and John. And from that three, he has the 12. And then the Scripture talks about the 70. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the 500. And then he tells the 120. And then after Pentecost, Peter stands up, and he gives the first sermon. And the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000. Now think about that for a moment. If God added to our church 3,000 in one day, it'd really mess us up. It would really mess us up. We'd just be <clears throat> walking through here like just, just babbling. We don't have enough ushers and greeters, and we don't have in the nursery workers, and where are we going to put everybody? And we can't even fit everybody in this whole building. What are we going to do? we got 3,000. It would just really throw us for a loop. But the concept is something that starts small. With God, it explodes. So now I want us to fast forward to April 17. 2016. And this thing that we know of as the church, this thing that Jesus said, I will build, I'm the architect, I am the owner, it is mine. Now, the past 20 centuries, we have been able to acquire traditions, organizations, Titles, programs, marketing plans, media productions, constitution and bylaws. But the question that still confronts us, are we growing in our faith? Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your relationships? And this is now where we are moving out of the past and we're moving right into the present because it affects our future. So stay with me just for the next few moments. There are some timeless truths 
that we hold on to. And one of them is this. We cannot have relationships without reciprocity. Reciprocity simply means giving back. We cannot have relationships without reciprocity. Let me just kind of put it in a, in, in, in a way that really we understand it. <clears throat> you can be married and not have a marriage. You can have children and not have a family. You can have people in a building and not have a church. Not the kind of church that Jesus is building. Because relationships always require reciprocity. Not only are we in a position to receive, but we also have to be in a position to give. And can you imagine a marriage of two people because they now have this thing called the marriage license and it's signed and they go put their house together and everything happens. And I know this is an exaggeration, but they get in there and the wife is cleaning and she's cooking and doing the laundry and the husband's sitting there in the recliner watching the ball game. And he's, every time she walks by, honey, I love you, honey, I love you, honey, I love you. That's only going to last so long. Because every time that she asks him to help her, he goes, well, wait till halftime or wait till the commercial or, see, he's got this wait idea down. <laughs> wait till I'm finished with what I'm, it's not what it's about. In order for that married couple to have a marriage, there has to be reciprocity. In order to, for your children to be a part of family, there has to be reciprocity. There has to be a giving as well as getting. And I firmly believe that in order for us to be a part of this church that Jesus is building, that Jesus is putting together, that, that Jesus has planted, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's now all over the world, it, it far surpassed Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It, it, it's went bigger than that, but it won't be church unless there's reciprocity. Now, I understand a little bit about human nature. And I understand a little bit, and, and, and what I'm getting ready to say is probably going to connect with, with many people in this room today. Because you may be asking, but Pastor Don, why are we not developing relationships? We come here on Sunday morning. We're here. This is, this is, and it isn't interesting how we use the term church. This is my church. I go to church. I give money to the church. But, but in all of that, you're the church. I'm the church. And if we took every church in this, in Erie County, and removed all of their branding and all of their logo and all of their stationery and all of the crosses over their buildings and all of the signs out in front of the churches, 
it would still be the church. And so, why are we not developing relationships? And I'm going to be speaking to someone here this morning, and when I say this, I want you to receive it, and I want you to ask God. As Pastor said in the beginning, God, what do I need to do to change as a result of your word that I can continue to grow in my spiritual walk? We avoid relationships because we are fearful that people may not like us. And we just can't handle another rejection. If you get to know me, there may be something about me that you don't like. And I've just been rejected too much in my life. Rejected by my father. Rejected by my mother. Rejected by my friends. Rejected by my teachers. And now I find myself in this building at 8150 Oliver Road called Erie First Assembly. And I'm sitting here, and I really want to be a part. I really want to connect. I really want to become involved. But that means I'm going to have to develop a relationship with somebody. And here's the thing. This is the only person that I have to offer you. And if you don't like me, I have nothing else to offer. And I believe as I was putting the message together this week, God prompted me to put this into this message, that you are sitting here today, and you really would like to be more involved than you are, but you're holding back because it would require building a relationship, and you're a fear that people will not accept you as you are, and you just can't handle another rejection. Can I tell you that God is able to break that fear? And God is able to change that and remove that from your heart because perfect love casts out fear. And you're going to be surprised because you may think you're just so unique and weird and you're the oddball and you're going to be surprised. Can I tell you the more relationships I make, the more odd people I meet? The more relationships I make, the, the, the more weird people I run into. And the same when they meet me, because that book says everybody's normal until you get to know them. And I think that that thought is perhaps just a trick of the enemy to put into our mind that, that I, I'm not going to be involved because I don't want to be rejected. And I really believe that, that, that I've spoken to some people with that today. And then here's another timeless truth. We must move from the casual to the committed. We must move from casual to committed. There are people, and when I say the church, it's beyond 8150 Oliver Road. I'm talking about the corporate church that Jesus is building today. And there actually there are people in the church that has never given themselves to anything. They've never given themselves to their marriage. They've never given themselves to their job. That's why they're here three months, and they're six months, and they're a year, and they're a couple of years. And here they, they just, they've never given themselves to anything. In fact, when they die, their tombstone will read, 
He died, but he never lived. He died, but he never lived. Because never given himself to anything. But here's the thing. Seeds left in the cupboard do nothing. Wouldn't it be interesting, it'd be kind of foolish, but if, if Barbara and I were, we decided we're going to plant flower seeds, and so we go to Mason Farm, and we get about 10 different packets of seeds, and we come home, and she said, honey, can you help me plant these? And I go, sure. So I get this packet, and I go, we'll put one there, and we'll put one over there, and put a couple here, but I never opened the packet. Somebody just caught that, didn't you? I never open the packet. I leave the seeds in the packet, and I just throw the packets on the ground in some kind of formation. And Barb comes out and said, no, 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 no. If we're ever going to experience the results of beautiful flowers, the package has to be opened up, and the seeds have to be planted. And then there is a waiting time, and there is a weeding time, and then there's a time of beautiful flowers. So you see, the parable of the mustard seed is a concept. And what God is saying to us this morning, see, I don't know what God's plan and purpose for your life is. I don't, I don't know what his, I know what his word tells us to do, but I don't know what his perfect and specific will for your life is. But I would have to say, without going too far out on a limb, if you have been attending Erie First for, for a significant amount of time, it's very possible that God has said to you, hey, I'm planting you at Erie First. I'm planting. I'm planting you at 8150 Oliver Road. You're planted. You're planted. You're planted. This is where I'm planting you. This is where you're going to grow. This is where you're going to develop. This is where you're going to flourish. This is where that, that, that you're going to help be a part of this church that Jesus is building. Could it be that God is passing by all the powers and the principalities, the governments and the kingdoms of this world, and he's wanting to sow his seed, his kingdom seed, in hearts and homes and neighborhoods and nations? Could it be that God is actually willing and able to sow those kingdom seeds right in the middle of our messes and our imperfections? And what if the seeds were to grow into something good and beautiful and larger than life? What would that look like? And I'm not speaking for Pastor Jack this morning, but you're saying, well, Pastor Don, so what if we do just fill the building? You know what I probably would start doing? 
planting some seeds, homes, fellowship groups, in our county, in our area, we'd probably start doing some seed planting. And I know pastor's vision are hard enough. He wouldn't say, well, we got 3,000 people. We're going to go to three services, and we're just going to hang on to all these people and not share. Uh-uh, that's, that's not him and his heart and his vision. We'd probably start planting some seeds. You see, the church that Jesus established has continued to plant seeds throughout the world, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that has included planting seeds in Erie, Pennsylvania. And that has included planting seeds that are continuing to grow and grow and grow. So you say, well, how, where's your application to this message? Well, we can start with the application is if you really are com want to be committed and want to know what's going on and want to be a part of what's happening, show up at 5 o'clock tonight at the summit. pastor's going to be sharing some very valuable information about this church. Say, so, yeah, but Pastor Don, I, I really don't have time for that. All I really care about is coming in on Sunday morning and getting my fix and going home. So people like, yeah, there are people like that all over the world, all over the county. But remember, seeds left in a package do nothing. If you really are interested, we have Pastor John in his shape class that, that he will help you understand how to find your gifts and your talents and your abilities and help you to fit in with a ministry that, that, that works for you and your personality and your likes and, 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 and all of these things. We have a shape going on right now, Wednesday nights, right here, for you to come and be a part of that. And we constantly have places you say, yeah, but I... I, I don't know, I want, I want to commit, but I don't know where to commit. Well, I call it experiment and experience. Pick a place, any place. Maybe ushering or greeting. Maybe in the nursery. Hey, there's some seed planting going on. You want to see some seed planting with our church? Take a walk over to the nursery. These little tykes, just precious precious, precious, and you get to hold them and love on them and pray with them to become that volunteer. And you say, well, maybe, you know, I, I, I was here for comedy night, and I heard the guy talk about he and his wife volunteered in the nursery. And, and, and it just really wasn't for him. And so this one particular baby just cry, 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 cry. And the parents came to pick up the baby. And the guy out of his frustration said, here, he said, I may have dropped him or he's just a brat, but take him. <laughs> now, we don't do that in our nursery. <laughs> At least we catch them before they hit the floor. We... <laughs> but friends... I'm speaking from my heart, and I know I'm biased and I'm prejudiced because it's a calling, but it's a calling for all of us that the parable of the mustard seed is a concept 
of growing and planting and waiting and committing. But all the beauty that comes out of that is fantastic. And so that's my challenge for you today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will just take the word of God and illuminate your heart and your mind. And really the bottom line is simply this, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Find something. Find something. Because Jesus is building his church. And the enemy has tried to silence it. The enemy has tried to stop it. The enemy has tried to slow it down. But Jesus said, and when, can you, you, you know, you heard Adam's testimony this morning. When Jesus says, I will, he means I will. When he says, I'm going to, he means I'm going to. And the church of Jesus Christ is still growing, is still flourishing, because he says, I will build. I will build. And so here we are. We've come together this morning. Let's ask God to reveal to us and to show us how we can not remain in the package. Because seeds in the package do nothing. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a story connected by events of the beginning of a church but not as we know it, not as we understand it, and it's not brick and mortar, and it's not carpet and stained glass windows and steeples on a building. But the church that you have been talking to us about today is made up of people. No race, no religion preference, no peculiarities, no male-female, no bond or free. It's people who have come to be followers of Jesus making up your church but you're still wanting to plant and sow seeds. And in our heart, you want to sow that seed of love and grace and mercy and compassion and that we can go forth and those that we have relationships with, we will continue to sow those seeds of love and relationships and grace and mercy and compassion. And so, Father, we pray that from the, even just this day forward that we will be found faithful Sowing seeds, sowing seeds, sowing seeds. It's not our responsibility to water, not our responsibility to, to make it grow. We're just going to sow seeds and stand back and be amazed and really understanding that you go beyond our expectations. And our expectations exceed our expectations because you are the builder so father be with us we pray throughout this day beautiful day that you've given to us let your love and mercy rest upon us give us favor in our travels and throughout this day and we are looking forward to coming back together tonight at five o'clock to hear what you're going to share with us regarding your church in your name we pray amen Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great day.